I'm Charles Ring with Rings Brothers Farms in St. Paul, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. The summer heat is on, and it's not even summer yet, but that's not slowing us down. We've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. I've got the AC running. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas corn condition ratings are about middle of the road right now. We have some corn looking pretty good, some corn looking pretty bad, and a lot of it right in the middle. We'll take a look at the corn crop condition ratings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The weather is making it rough for Texas High Plains cotton. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Triple-digit temperatures and the drought combining to really challenge farmers, ranchers, and homeowners. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report from Central Texas on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest ratings of the Texas corn crop can best be described as middle of the road, with 25% rated good to excellent, 45% rated fair, and 30% rated poor to very poor. On corn that's now silking, you should keep an eye out for corn rootworm beetles, according to pioneer field agronomist Ron Joyner. Right now, there's a lot of rootworm beetles hatching in fields, and if your corn's pollinating or silking, those pests can clip the silks and cause a lack of pollination in the plants. And so it's real important that guys uh, pay attention to that this time of year, especially if you have fields that have been in corn numerous years. Those are the ones to check specifically. So that's something that uh, guys need to be aware of and not bypass, because if that happens, you could end up with a lot of corn plants without any grain on them, and that's not a good combination. Corn is currently being chopped for silage in Central Texas. We've been dealing with triple-digit heat here in Texas for a few weeks now, but those temperatures are moving north and taking a toll on cattle. There are reports of several thousand head dying in Kansas feedlots over the past week due to the heat. Kansas State University Extension veterinarian A.J. Tarpoff says several factors converged to cause the cattle deaths, including a spike in both temperature and humidity and a drop in wind speed. Recent rain in the northern Texas panhandle may have given dry land crops there a shot at surviving, but that doesn't seem to be the case as you move south into the Lubbock area. Tom Gregory farms north of Lubbock near Petersburg. He says dry land acres there don't have much of a chance right now. 
Probably the dryland acres in West Texas are certainly not up, and I don't know if some places are going to have enough moisture to get them up right now. We're, you know, a lot of these dryland acres in West Texas are not going to have a crop on them as of now. You know, it can certainly change like the latter half of May did, and the good Lord can give us some rains and things will change. But as of right now, a lot of these acres just hadn't had enough moisture to germinate the crops. Gregory lost a pivot of corn and cotton to hail a few weeks ago. The meatpacking industry continues to get a lot of attention in Washington. The House took up a package of bills, one which would create a special investigator's office in USDA's Packers and Stockyards Division. Democrats are pushing that bill to show that they are addressing packer concentration. But Republicans are against it, saying it would be a politicized office that duplicates the work that's already being done in the Justice Department. And speaking of the Justice Department, there's word in Washington that the DOJ has subpoenaed records from meat processors, but they aren't releasing any of those records because of their ongoing investigation of the packers. In February, meat packer JBS signed a $52 million settlement with the agency over allegations of price fixing. The weather is making it rough for Texas High Plains cotton. James Hunt tells us the crop is off to a tough start. We'll have a better impression of the outlook for area cotton in about two weeks. But for right now, Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Grower says, We've got a lot of cotton out here hanging in the balance. In the early going, the crop has been hampered not only by the drought, but also a lot of extreme weather like damaging hail and those unseasonably cool days in late May. Up in that Amarillo area, there is cotton that came up, and during the time that it was emerging, it had some chilling injuries. So I have talked to some consultants and some people out in the field who are dealing with that cotton and still trying to see how that's going to come along. But while that's a concern for cotton that actually emerged, Brown says a lot of area cotton is struggling to make it above ground at all due to insufficient moisture. And as we've heard fairly often, some of this season's rains haven't been all that helpful, like the recent downpour that delivered as much as three inches of rain in the La Mesa area. You would think that's an adequate amount of rainfall to take care of things, but it was so dry there and the rains came so quickly They were heavy rains, and so there was a lot of washing that occurred and, unfortunately, a lot of runoff. And so there's a lot of water for the cattle. A lot of that water went to the lakes, but unfortunately, we did not get a lot of percolation down into that soil profile, which is what we desperately need. Beyond the weather, Mark Brown says there's also weeds and insects. From Plainview North, we're seeing quite a bit of thrips activity that continues in these fields. So as we have cotton that's already emerging late and and somewhat later than we'd like to see it, we need to be really careful to protect it from insects. Challenges galore for our cotton farmers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Triple-digit temperatures and drought are combining to challenge Central Texas farmers and ranchers. Tom Nicoletti has more from Waco. We go to Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco now. And uh, Shane, certainly the triple-digit temperatures, the humidity, very dry conditions in Central Texas, not faring well for agriculture. And you've been on some recent field days and have had some uh, 
uh, interaction with farmers and ranchers. Uh, what are you hearing from them about uh, what's going on? Yeah, not not the news. We wanted to hear from the agronomy uh, specialists that were attending. One of the main questions people keep asking is, what if we did get a rain, you know, a hurricane, however we could get a scattered rain shower? Would it be beneficial for our current corn and grain sorghum crops? And the answer was no. It might help just a little bit with kernel fill, but we're so far into the, the stages of maturity with corn and grain sorghum that even a rain today would only help fill out some ears that the ear count's already set. A lot of the, the corn is, is past the stage where it would really benefit them. Yes, and this heat is just draining uh, other uh, areas of agriculture, including hay and also uh, landscapes in the uh, urban areas and, and even out in the country. I always get phone calls on trees, especially since the freeze of 2021. And this drought is also going to cause a lot of damage to trees and landscape plants. Just a lack of available moisture. You can water all you want. You just can't replace what Mother Nature provides. Same thing goes out in our hay fields. All of our grain production, of course, is very damaged from the just that raw heat. Another thing coupled with that is this wind. It's been really windy this year, more than normal. Haven't been many days where the wind just kind of lays like it normally would. Even early in the morning, you know, you wake up, go outside, and the wind's still blowing 10 to 12, even 20 miles an hour. Couple that with the heat, and it's just robbing all the moisture that's out in those plants. Yes, uh, getting back to the hay, also a lack of hay to begin with because uh, of the growing conditions and the drought. Yeah, Tom, with the lack of moisture, we've got less hay being produced. Some people have had one cutting on those really high-maintenance type hay fields that are really managed well, that are fertilized. They're getting a little bit of hay, not much. The volume produced is still low. The few that we have actually irrigating hay are, are producing hay and have had two cuttings, and that may be our main source of, of hay is those those type of hay producers have access to some water that can water during this heat, during this drought time. Lack of hay carrying over in the winter, coupled with you know, this lack of production this year, is really driving hay prices up. And the lack of moisture is evident in the stock tanks across central Texas as they are lower than normal. Really are low. And I heard people hauling water as early May, which really surprised me. But when you think about it, we haven't had any large runoff rainfall type events since, gosh, October maybe of last year. Uh, all the rain that we have had has been smaller increments, more tenths than inches, definitely. And we just need a, a really large, widespread, general soaking rain of volume to fill our stock tanks. A lot of people are moving their animals around, trying to get them uh, away from any kind of bad situations where they might get bogged down in a tank trying to get to water. And uh, it's just, it's a not a good situation. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting for us today from Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A fishing trip earlier this month landed in Austin Man, a brand new truck and boat package. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one of the most serious diseases in horses is the herpes virus. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. 
Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One of the most serious diseases in horses is the herpes virus. Dr. Bob Judd says it can be deadly. Herpes virus can affect the respiratory tract and generally causes mild disease, but can affect the neurological system and can be deadly. Researchers at Michigan State have determined that young horses generally develop the respiratory disease and older horses generally develop the neurological disease. And the reason is due to different immune responses. The researchers indicated at the AAEP convention that 10% of the horses develop the neurological disease and it is unclear why some horses develop this form and not others. There are some predisposing factors for horses to develop the neurological form of the disease, including age, female sex, pregnancy or nursing, and certain breeds seem to be more susceptible, including standard breeds, warm bloods, thoroughbreds, quarter horses, paints, Appaloosas, Spanish horses, fjords, drafts, and lipozoners. The horse publication indicates the initial infection begins in the respiratory tract and the virus is picked up by the lymph nodes where it enters the bloodstream, and this is when the neurological form occurs. The virus attacks the blood vessels resulting in vasculitis in which the white blood cells infiltrate the area, and then blood clots develop causing tissue destruction. In the study, the young horses that developed only the respiratory disease had two different temperature spikes, while the horses that developed neurological disease only showed the secondary fever spike. Horses that developed only the respiratory disease had classic T-helper-1 immune responses, whereas those with neurological disease had a T-helper-2 immune response. Scientists are looking to alter the immune response to decrease the neurological form of this disease. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A fishing trip earned an Austin man a brand new truck and boat package. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. With a bucket of live shrimp, his buddy by his side, and clear water ahead, an Austin man recently entered the Lydia Ann Channel in Rockport for a day of fishing, and that day would net him the catch of a lifetime. While fishing in the channel June 4th, Marco Rocha of Austin hooked onto a redfish with a special red tag on it. The fish is one of 60 specially tagged redfish released by the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas as part of their annual STAR fishing tournament. The fishing tournament is a membership drive for the association. Bill Kinney, tournament director, says the next four anglers who are entered into the tournament and reeling a fish tagged like roaches could win the same thing that he did. We release 120 tagged redfish. 60 of those are blue tagged. 60 of those are red tagged. You're entered in STAR and a current member of CCA and you catch a red tag. The first five red tags caught by eligible anglers pay off with a brand new 2022 Ford F-150 four-door super cab connected to a Haney 23-foot Bigfoot boat and a 150-horsepower Mercury outboard engine and a coastline trailer. That's for the first five tagged redfish caught that have a red tag. The next five that are caught with red tags 
are the identical boat prizes, but you got to supply your own truck to drive it home. Details, other tournament divisions, this year's leaderboard, and a full list of this year's prizes are available at startournament.org. That is startournament.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was another very good week for the cattle market, but cotton and grains ended the week lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a pretty good week for the cattle market, and we wrapped trading up on Friday on a higher close with June live cattle up 27 cents at 138.02, August up 27, 136.57, October live cattle up 35, closing at 142.42. Feeder cattle futures ending higher, August feeders up $1.65 at 172.95. September feeders up a dollar fifty-seven, one seventy-four eighty. October up a dollar fifty-five at one seventy-six fifty-two. The cash-fed cattle market took off like a rocket over the past week. We've set new highs for the year in the Northern Plains. We've seen sales as high as one fifty on a live basis. Not quite that good here in the Southern Plains. We've only managed to top out at 140. However, the market overall about four bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice down a dollar eleven to sixty six oh five. Select up a dollar eighty nine at two forty seven twenty seven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We've got a livestock market operator report from my cousin. Back in the Guadalupe Valley, Cousin Brian Lentzman. Cousin Brian, how that regular Wednesday sheep and goat and cattle sale go? Uh, yes, sir. We're still selling cattle. Uh, got 1,500 head here today. Uh, I think we're getting along real good. Uh, you know, the Packer cows, they're holding their own. They're probably a couple of dollars better this week. Uh, the calf market, plenty stout. Uh, the quality's good. So those two to three weight steers, dollar eighteen to a dollar ninety-two. Three to four weights, dollar twenty, dollar ninety-five. Four to five weights, dollar forty-seven to a dollar eighty-seven. Five to six weights, dollar twenty to a dollar sixty-seven. Six to seven weights, dollar 
dollar fifteen to a dollar sixty three. Seven to eight weight steers, dollar three to a dollar forty eight. Get to the heifer mates, two to three weight heifers, dollar twelve to a dollar sixty three to four weights, dollar nineteen to a dollar seventy three. Four to five weights, dollar twenty seven to a dollar seventy seven. Five to six weights, dollar fourteen to a dollar sixty two and sixty seven weights, dollar thirteen to a dollar thirty six. Uh, utility commercial cows, seventy seven and ninety five cents. Uh, got middle aged pairs, they bring up to a thousand. Few pairs bring up to a thousand fifty. Uh, top end of the bulls, a dollar eighteen. So you know, got along real good. Uh, we're kind of starting to see some people show up. Uh, not locals. I mean, they're driving a couple hundred miles and they're picking around on these bread cows. So you know, that helps out a bunch for us. That's that's dry. Good. How did sheep and goat sell, Brian? Sheep and goat market. If you got the good ones, the market is fine. If you're selling them light, uh, you know those light feeder kids. I mean, they, they're taking a hickey right now. Nobody wants to put them on feed, but uh, you know those good nannies from 200 to 340 and good kid goats from 360 to 445 and you get to the door for use 100 to 155 dollars with the lambs bringing 240 to 320 but like i said if you sell them lighter or they're a little bit thin you know you can discount them pretty good texas neighbor of course that's cousin brian Lentzman, seguin cattle company sheep and goats on wednesday neighbor thanks for listening to walking the pins and me larry marble texas farm bureau radio network good day Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close higher on Friday. July hogs up a dollar forty-two at one eleven even. August hogs up a dollar eighty-five, one oh seven eighty-seven. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby June contract up a penny at twenty-four thirty a hundredweight. July milk down seventeen at twenty-three sixty a hundred. The cotton market closed lower Friday. A lot of factors weighing on the cotton trade right now. Additional Chinese COVID-19 lockdowns, rising interest rates, and overall weakness in the global economy weighing on the market. We finished with July cotton down 8 points Friday, 143.85. October down 99 at 125.14. December cotton down 94 at 118.29. The corn market moved lower Friday. July corn dropped three and three quarters, 784 and a half. September corn down four, 737 and three quarters. December corn down four cents at 731 a bushel. Big drop in the wheat market Friday. A couple of factors pressuring wheat lower, a big surge in the U.S. dollar, and more talk of Russia possibly allowing Ukraine grain exports. All of that pushed prices sharply lower. July Kansas City wheat down 43 and a half, ending the week at 11.05 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down 44 cents, 10.34 and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas down 45 cents, 7.01. July crude oil down 7.91 at 109.68 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow down 38 points at 29,888. The Nasdaq up 152 points at 10,789. The S&P up 8, 3,674. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.